Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus, a Bible study that I believe is going to bless you. You know why? Because it's a Bible study. And the Bible is God's instruction manual and to us that reveals His will that we might walk in obedience to Him. Praise God. It reveals the, the pathway of righteousness. Hallelujah. As David put it in the Psalms, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my pathway. Praise God. Well, we want to let that light shine so that we might walk in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. We, ne- we bear the name of a great God, of a, of a great Savior, a mighty King. We should live our life with an allegiance to Him. Praise God. A sister in our church used to sing a song that I love so much, and it was, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Praise God. If we would pledge our allegiance out of love and devotion to serve God and obey God and follow the example of Jesus Christ, what a blessing we would receive from God and what a blessing we would be for God. We'd be like a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. Praise God. For we're going to be talking about the blessing of obeying God. God, the blessing of obeying God. First Samuel is our text uh, that we're going to put in context and study from in this Bible study. First Samuel in the Old Covenant, chapter 15, verse 22. It says, And Samuel said, he's speaking uh, here unto uh, King Saul. Listen to what he says. And Samuel said, Hath God as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. King Saul was given explicit instructions from God, do not bring back any captives or animals from the people he went out to conquer. He disobeyed. He brought back as spoil the best of the sheep and the oxen and also the wicked king himself. He said he disobeyed, but he would make up for it because he would offer fine animals to the Lord. His real ulterior motive was to feed his own ego, to show off by showing the spoils of war to all of Israel. Many years ago, a singing group came to our church and they sang a song that I'd never heard before, inspired by this scripture. And they, they, when they sang the opening verse, it was to obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your money. I want your life. Amen. Oh, friend of mine, it's so good when we obey the Lord. Now, let's back up to verse 14 of First Samuel and 15 and begin reading. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep 
and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. I want to stop right here for just a moment. This is the blame game right here in this verse of Scripture. He said the people did this. He knew he had the authority to lead them. He knew he had the authority by God himself, God-given authority to tell them not to do what they did in direct disobedience to God. But he really wanted to get the glory. I want to bring all this spoil back. I want everybody to see what a great conquering king that I am. (laughs) And listen to what it said again. The people, the people. You know, the blame game is as old as, as time itself. When God came to Adam and said, What have you done? Why have you disobeyed me like this? Adam answered and said, The woman you gave me. <laughs> That's not what he said when he saw Eve, was it? <laughs> he said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He was so happy to not be alone in the garden. He had perfect fellowship with God, but that was spiritual fellowship. He had no physical contact that that would complete him until God brought him Eve. But he began, and he had the authority. He had the headship in that guard. He didn't have to take that apple. And I'm not even, it doesn't even say uh, biblically it was an apple. We assume because that's a great, beautiful fruit. But uh, it wasn't and necessarily an apple, but whatever it was, it was very beautiful, it was very tasty, but it brought them through disobedience to God. It brought them into a broken fellowship with God. And it also gave the enemy a place that he would never have, would give him ground. Romans 6 and verse 16 says, Whoever you yield yourself, your members, servants to obey. In other words, whoever you obey, his servant you are, whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. Jesus didn't. The Father didn't. The Holy Spirit did not give Satan the position he has attained as the small g God of this world. That influence was granted him by the man that God put in charge, and that was Adam. He bowed in 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 essence to the to the devil when he obeyed disobeyed God and obeyed the serpent listen to me carefully obedience is crucial to our victory and obedience is crucial to our fellowship with God amen all right let's finish verse 15 uh, with this blame game clearly understood the people. Now, I want to stop while we're on the blame game. When Moses went up uh, to to get the Ten Commandments, he came back and, and he left Aaron in charge of the people. And Aaron was a priest. He knew that idolatry was strictly forbidden by God. And yet the people being without Moses as their leader, wondering if he just died up there and he's not coming back, what do we do? And they melted down their gold and their silver and they brought it to someone who could craft it into a golden calf so they would have a man-made idol God to worship. 
And they brought it to Aaron. And Aaron was a craftsman that could do that. He could make the mold. He could make the dyes for this thing. And he did it. He did it. And when Moses came down and saw what they were doing in direct disobedience to God, they they were even so disobedient to God. That's why obedience is so crucial because disobedience opens the door to the enemy. It may start out with a little thing, but it won't stop with the little thing. It is a slippery slope. Once we fall into the trap of just being comfortable in disobeying God, a friend of mine, taking up your cross and following Christ is so that we can obey him. Amen. Listen to me carefully. So, so Moses came to the one he left in charge and he said, what is, what is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of this? And here's the cop-out. Here's the passing of the book and the responsibility. He said, he said the people brought me their gold, and that they melted down their gold and silver and brought it to me, and out came this calf. No, the calf didn't just suddenly shape itself, mold itself. He did it, and he said he did it because he feared the people. And friend of mine, there's peer pressure is not just something for, for adolescents and something for teenagers that go through and then you never have peer pressure anymore. Peer pressure follows you into adulthood, follows you even into old age. There is, there is pressure from people to accept you that you f- please them, even if it means disobeying God. Let me tell you something today. The Bible said evil communications corrupt good manners and and you'll understand it better in the Greek because this is this is not about how many spoons or forks to use and which one for the salad, which one for the soup. No, this is not manners saying yes ma'am and no man. This is evil companionships. Evil companionships corrupt good morals if you are following somebody around or they're following you you're meeting with somebody fellowshipping with somebody that is pressuring you to disobey god or in order to have their fellowship you are going to have to start making compromises it is time for us Dear, dear, dear Christian friend, to re-examine our allegiances and make sure our allegiance is to the Lamb. Someone said to a pastor, it might have been me, I I don't know from my quotes to others, but, well, I can kind of tell the others are probably better, but I want to tell you this truth. Someone said, if I come to Jesus Christ, will I have to give up? my sinful friends. And I said, no, you will not have to give them up. You come to Christ and really become obedient to him. Commit yourself to follow him and they will give you up. And the ones that don't give you up, uh, you may be able to lead them to saving faith in Jesus Christ when they see that following your master is more important than their friendship. They'll know the value of your master. Oh, friend of mine, what a good master Jesus is. He's not just Savior. And then we begin to to uh, somehow negotiate with, to what extent He will be the Lord of our life. He's not Savior and Lord as He's presented in, in the epistles in the New Testament. He is Lord and 
Savior. It begins with His Lordship, beginning with that new commitment to obey God instead of the God of this world, to follow Jesus instead of the promptings of our own weak, fallen flesh. Listen to me carefully. That passed the bug thing. They brought me their gold and silver. I melted it down. And you know what? Out came this calf. No, that calf came out of a man's fear of the people more than he feared the Lord. And he crafted it for them. And, and oh, friend, today this is such an important message. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. All right. Verse 18 says, And the Lord sent thee on a journey. Uh, well, let me back up to verse 17. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Let's just go all the way back to verse 15. Let me slow down, Lord. They, they, and Saul said, when questioned about this, they brought them from the Amalekites, passing the book. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to, oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast, this is a key to being obedient to God, when thou wast little, in thine own sight. Wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Listen to the argument he gave. The flesh will always argue. And have gone the way which the Lord sent me, have brought Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people passing the buck, here we go, not assuming responsibility and culpability for disobedience, but the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief things of which thou have been utterly should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. We brought this back to sacrifice to God. We brought these fine oxen, oxen to sacrifice to God. And Samuel said, here's the text we read in context. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now verse 23 shows us the door that is open to the enemy when we fall out of humility and we walk into proud disobedience, which is nothing more and less than rebellion. Listen to it carefully. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Isn't that an amazing thing to say? It's the same spirit. The Bible calls the devil in the new covenant the spirit that now worketh 
in the children of disobedience. The, this, this rebellious attitude, Satan rebelled against God in heaven and was so persuasive that he persuaded a third of the angels. The dragon was cast into the earth, and with his tail he drew a, a third of the, of, of the stars, which was the angelic host that joined him in this rebellion. So therefore, in God's sight, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected thee from being king. Friend of mine, this is, this is such a serious matter, especially in light of the fact that disobedience doesn't seem to be a big deal anymore. In that hyper-grace message out there, it doesn't matter at all what you do. That would be a work and you can't add to your salvation. And they're trying to eliminate the responsibility of obedience. There's no need to deny ourselves if it just doesn't matter. We can let the flesh reign. We don't need to take up our cross. We don't need to crucify the flesh in order to follow Christ because it doesn't make any difference to God. Uh, that would be a work. No, that is a, a valid proof that we have been born again. Something has changed within us. We can't be perfect in our obedience, but we can be perfectly committed to obey. I, I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying. We cannot be sinlessly perfect in our obedience. But we can be perfectly committed to obey. And when we find ourselves drifting away, we can, we can repent and we can rededicate our life to truly obeying God and following Jesus Christ. You see, when we walk in obedience, His blessing will rest upon us, and our victory will bring glory to His wonderful, gracious, powerful name. Just how important is obedience to God in the Christian life? Well, in opposition uh, to sin stands obedience. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteousness. Scripture said, Ye became servants of righteousness. All of this is in Romans 5.19 and 6.18. In connection with all that's been said about sin and the new life and the reception of the Holy Spirit, we should always give obedience the place assigned it by God. It was because Jesus humbled Himself and became obedient Unto death, even the death of the cross that God has so highly exalted him. And Paul, in his connection, uh, exhorts us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 and verse 5. We see above everything else, the obedience of Jesus was so pleasing to God. 
that it must become a characteristic of our walk with God in order to please Him. You know, the Bible said in Ephesians 5 and verse 1, Be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love even as Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, listen carefully. I, w- I want to go back and, and, and show how humility allows for obedience and obedience allows for us to be absolutely ob- a- pleasing to God. Listen to it very carefully. Let this mind, this mindset to obey. Listen, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord, who Though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. And God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that is named of things in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. Oh, friend, the Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you and me and any of us in due season. Because humility allows for this wonderful, wonderful attitude of obedience to become realized in our life. We find ourselves saying no to the flesh, no to the world, no to the devil, and yes to God. Hallelujah. I believe, and don't you agree with me, from time to time, we all need to deal with the issue of obedience in our personal Christian walk. Someone said truly, if Jesus is not Lord of everything, Jesus is not Lord at all. I believe that because Lord means master. It means the one that we absolutely bow to and bow to no other. I heard a story of a young man. His name was Jim McLean whose first job was at an independent grocery store stocking the shelves. He loved his work and his employer. One day, on his lunch break, he called the store from down the street and asked to speak to the manager. Do you have an opening for a stock boy in your store? The manager replied, I already have a nice young man who works for me. He's a real go-getter. But you can leave your name and number. If he ever leaves, I'll give you a call. He replied, this is Jimmy, boss. I was just checking up on myself. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Friend of mine, from time to time, you and I, because I'm a minister doesn't mean I don't have to have and need a healthy self-watch. I need to check up on myself. And, And in order to do that, all I have to do while reading Scripture is ask myself the honest question, Am I really committed, number one, to obeying the Word of God and thereby the God of the Word? Am I really committed to to applying to my own life? You know, the Scripture said we should give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. It's easy to begin to overlook obedience 
and not give it the place that God gives it in our life and lose the blessing of it, the benefit of it, and actually giving place then to the devil. Hebrews 11 and verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith Abraham obeyed. You see, the Scriptures is by for the obedience of faith. It's Faith is not just something to get everything that we want. Faith is that we can get everything that He wills. Oh, friend of mine, today in this flesh-glorifying, flesh-driven world that we are in, if that creeps into the doctrine, obedience is going to go out the window. Because we will seek everything from God for selfish reasons. And we have to deny ourselves as the first prerequisite to truly follow Jesus Christ. Oh, but for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Oh, oh friend, there's a joy in knowing that you are pleasing to God. So the part of the, the text that I just read and I want to call your attention to, is by faith Abraham obeyed. And this is Spurgeon's comment on that. What a blessing it would be if we were all trained to it by the Holy Spirit. How fully should we be restored if we were perfect in it? If all the world would obey the Lord, what a heaven on earth there would be. Perfect obedience to God would mean love among men, justice to all classes, peace in every land. Our will brings envy, malice, and war, but the Lord's will would bring us love, joy, rest, and bliss. Obedience. Let us pray for it, for ourselves, and for others. And then he says, Is there a heart that will not bend to thy divine control? Descend, O sovereign love, descend and melt that stubborn soul. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, when we are humble before the Lord and we are loving Him for loving us and giving Himself for us on the cross and we see the place of obedience that it is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You see, the scripture says, when Saul was little in his own eyes, God made him king. When he was humble, when he wasn't proud and stubborn and self-willed. David, the least of Jesse's sons, was chosen to rule Israel. Moses was God's choice to lead Israel out of Egypt's bondage. And the scripture said of Moses that I will not speak to you like I speak to the rest of, of the leaders and the, and the rest of, of the prophets, I will speak to you. I'll speak to them in visions and dreams. I'll speak to you mouth to mouth. And I wanted to know how in the world did he come into that kind of relationship with God. And I found what I believe is a key scripture about him in the Old Covenant. It said, Now the man Moses 
above all the men of his generation, was the most meek. Oh, friend, it is a fruit and a product of the Holy Spirit's work within us. Jesus exhibited meekness when he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and was obedient even unto the death of the cross. Meekness, dear friend, is not weakness. It is power under control. They used to train the Arabian horses that would be rode into battle. Those big black stallions and steeds, they trained them. They trained them. And you know, before they exposed them to cannon fire, they wanted them to commit to obey the, the rider, the master. And they would starve them for water for days, and then they would take them within where they could smell a pool of water, and they could see it. And when they started to go toward it, they would pull them back and tell them no. If they went on to the water, they couldn't use them in battle. But if they listened to their master, though they were so thirsty, they thought they might die. Then he would lead them to the water and let them drink to their fill. Oh, friend, this is meekness. It is not weakness. It is power under control. That rider could ride that horse into blazing cannon fire. And that horse would not falter, would not fear, would not turn back. Because the devotion to its master was stronger than its fear. Oh, friend, when we become committed to our master, fear is going to go out the window. We're not going to be afraid, afraid of the consequences of obedience. In fact, Jesus told a church, one of the seven in the, in the book of Revelation, he said, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in spirit. You will find rest for your soul. Today, there are a lot of Christians who don't have rest for their soul. They haven't fully committed to follow Jesus. And there, there's always going to be tension between our will and His will. And the secret <laughs> to serenity in the Christian life, in this faulty body, this fallen world. The secret to serenity is surrender. When I surrender my will, when I surrender my will, God empowers me through grace and supernatural strength to obey His will. When Jesus cried out in the garden in full surrender, if there's any other way, let the cup pass, but not my will but thine be done. Angels came, hallelujah, and ministered unto him. Friend of mine, today we need the supernatural strength that God offers. We need the grace that God gives so abundantly to be an upstream Christian in a downstream world and to truly live for Jesus. You can't do it perfectly. I can't do it perfectly. I can't offer to God perfect obedience but I can by the help and grace of God I will offer unto God a heart that is perfectly willing to obey 
and God will help me with the weakness of my flesh. Hallelujah, when he sees my willingness to obey. Oh, friend, our time is gone today. And I pray this broadcast has blessed you. If you'd like to be a media missionary, you can tell somebody else about this broadcast, that they might come and be blessed, hear the word of the Lord in these last closing hours of time. Christ is coming very, very soon. And today, as a Christian, I pray that you will do what I'm doing over and over again. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to recommit, rededicate my life to obey my God, my King, my Sovereign, my Savior. The lover and redeemer of my soul deserves nothing less than my willingness to serve Him and Him alone and not be self-serving and bow to no other gods. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the Spirit that is causing the rebellion, the obedience, has a hold of you. But if you decide to come to Jesus and bow to Him and repent of your sin, the devil's going to have to move out and move on. Because God will claim you as His own. He will fill you, mark you, brand you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, friend, don't run from Him. Run to Him. And let's run this race together until He appears or we go home. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.